0: My mama would say You gotta fight for what is right To her I would say
1: Good evening, Patriots. And it's August 17th or the end of it, Thursday in the year 2023. You know, we have the continuing ongoing reveals of Lahaina. But I want to point out something here that's going to start with here in a few minutes, which is another fire in 2020. And just... It's called Talent Oregon and just how quickly we've forgotten about that. We're going to talk a little bit about that, Lahaina, and some other issues, other big events that are happening like the BRICS Nation stuff, but all in perspective of kind of the bigger fight that we're, we're currently in and facing. Now, one thing that I'm really stressing right now, and it's, it's super important, and it is to take care of your 401ks and IRAs as much as you can. We don't know what's coming, but we do know what we see on the near horizon is that there's something very significant coming with currency changes. BRICS nations, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are organizing to launch their new BRICS coin, which is pre- precious metals backed and resource backed, versus the dollar. This is a paper currency; it has no value, and it's going to be very disruptive. We're going to talk some about that this evening, but. That's also why for so long, seeing this coming, I have been talking and, and having so honored to have a great group like Birch Gold with us here as a sponsor and a part of these programs because they do provide the mechanism to and advice on how to take your 401k or IRA into a precious metals-backed retirement savings account. So just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 again, BARDS, to 989898. You get a free info kit. It'll tell you all about the, the, about gold backing and, and gold or precious metals backed retirement accounts. It's up to you whether it's the right choice. I just know that at this moment in time, these are important discussions and researches to have. There's big events coming, big, big transformative events with the, the dollar, the relationship to the world, what that's going to mean in terms of our buying power, it's, there's a lot of unknowns, and I'm not one that's going to sit here and harp on the idea that somehow White Hats are going to make it all better. I think we'll come out of it okay in the end, but it's going to take some time and a lot of work, and it's going to be a lot of pain, and you don't want to be caught in the crux of that. So take that time. Get a hold of Birch Gold would be my recommendation, and um, text 989898. Get your free info packet from Birch Gold. You can't go wrong with that and see where it takes you and explore it. It'll be a good good research to do and a good decisions to have to make right now, especially in this critical hour. Let me begin tonight with a story. I just want to read this. The headline, this is in Reuters. This is from September 15th, 2020, and it starts out, all gone. Residents return to burned out Oregon towns as many West Coast wildfires keep burning. This is Talent, Oregon. Search and rescue teams with dogs in tow were deployed across the blackened ruins of southern Oregon towns on Sunday as smoldering wildfires still ravage U.S. coastal states after causing widespread destruction. The blitz of wildfires across Oregon, California, and Washington has destroyed thousands of homes in a half dozen small towns this summer, scorching more than 4 million acres. That's 1.6 million hectares for those of you overseas. And killing more than two dozen people since early August. Tracy Koa, a high school teacher, returned to Talent, Oregon on Saturday after evacuating with her partner Dave Tenskell, a 13 year old daughter, and and her 13 year old daughter to find her house and neighborhood reduced to heaps of ash and rubble. We knew that it was gone, Koa said in the telephone interview on Sunday you pull up and the devastation of just every home, you think of every family and every situation and every burnt down car, and there are just no words for it. Crews in Jackson County, Oregon, where, where Talent is located, were hoping to venture into rural areas where the Almeida fire had abated slightly with slowing winds, sending it up thick plumes of smoke as the embers burned. From Medford through the neighboring communities of Phoenix and Talent, an apocalyptic scene of charred residential subdivisions and trailer parks stretched for miles along Highway 99. Community donation centers popped up around Jackson County over the weekend, including one in the parking lot of Home Depot in Phoenix where farmers brought in pickup truck full bedfuls of watermelons and people brought water and other supplies. farther north in Clackamas County, Dane Valentine 28 showed a Reuters journalist the remains of his home. This is my home, he said. Yep, all gone. Down the road, a woman with a Trump 2020 sign on her home pointed a a shotgun at a journalist and shouted at him to leave. I would too. You're the reason they're setting fires up here, she said, perhaps referring to a false rumors of the left-wing activist who sparked the wildfires, not false rumors, by the way. After four days of brutally hot, windy weather, the weekend brought calmer winds blowing inland from the Pacific Ocean and cooler moisture conditions that helped crews make headway against blazes that had burned and unchecked last week. And the article goes on. This fire was devastating and it came up overnight. It still is hard for me to walk where that fire was in my most in what we had the most pristine place in really in the country, and it was the Umpqua River Valley. So when we talk a lot about what's going on in Lahaina, this is very personal to me on other levels because I know how they started these fires. And it was a combination of criminality that's you can't measure. We watched just like they did And the people are trying to deny, just like they did on these fires. We watched for a week while they cloud-seeded the chemtrail the heck out of our skies. Then we watched the winds change as the air turned dry, just like you hear the reports out of Paradise. And then we wake up, and all of a sudden, there's over 100 fires that suddenly sparked up overnight. Some of them may have been caused by oversurges or sparks from a transformer. As I've mentioned in a previous show, I have the radar screenshot of the of the solid beam and you can call that what it is. It's not a glitch on the radar. It is a solid light beam on the radar that Destin's its Destiny arrived exactly where the fire started in my county, Douglas County, Oregon. Talent is about an hour and a half south of me. It doesn't exist anymore. I mean, if it does, it've been rebuilt, but after that fire, it wiped it out and a few other towns as well literally wiped off the face of the map every their history everything they were is gone so whatever they become is what they rebuild now people were displaced up the up the river from us past the town of glide we had people completely burned out and when you talk about some of the debauchery that happens we had a local hotel owner that started to it took people in and then started to price gouge them and force people out into the streets. That was until the community got so pissed off, the guy was literally about afraid for his life. He's an Indian guy, and I'm I'm being very specific. That's dot, not feather, trying to, to make an extra profit. And I say this because, in my opinion, he, he should have left town because you never do that to people. The, the community outpouring was out unbelievable, and it was because of the community, just like you're watching in Lahaina that it made a difference because there was nothing here federal that helped us worth a damn. And it was the county level firefighters and the state level firefighters and ultimately some of the regional that made the difference in winning that. But this fire was outrageous and it burned down sacred lands. And for me, this is some of the most, this was in this county. And for many of us in this county, these lands that were up here were sacred. They were old growth. It was a river that you could hear, literally walk and just feel the, the, the walk of the ancients in there. It was a place that I have not gone fishing up there since they shut the fishing down after the fire. And I, I'll get back to it, but it's heartbreaking. It took my parents two years to even go up there and hike, which they used to hike almost every weekend in the summer. And they're not alone. These sorts of things destroy you in certain ways. They take part of you. They not destroy you, but they take part of you. And it's a reminder that we, are, we should be and all should be deeply connected to the world in which we're around. We're, we're a very multifaceted and multicolored tapestry in the body of Christ, but we're all connected to the earth. The problem we have right now with this idiocy that's coming out of these New Age religions is they're trying to convince people that we're a parasite of the earth and that mother earth is trying to reject us and somehow we need to reduce our footprint on mother earth. That's garbage. What's happened is we have a corporate world that is absolutely diabolical and they enslave us into and get us hooked into the things that cause the damage. We are the most polluting society existence, not just society, but as people across the world, we are more polluting than any other time in human history. And we pollute with things that don't naturally recycle. They love to do things like go back and say, oh, we were going through the rubbish of an of an ancient archaeological site of, say, Native Americans, and we were going through the clay pots that we found. Okay, great, clay pots. Well, guess what? Clay pots are recyclable. But when you create a sea of plastics out in the Pacific larger than the, than the size of Texas or you, or you create waste constantly on a daily that we can't even fill enough landfills or you start producing the things like lithium batteries that can't be recycled that are built off of the mining of cobalt, which is the most slave driven industry we've ever seen. It makes the previous slave relationships in the world seem minute and yet we're all part of that cycle. And we have to start getting honest about where our contribution is. I'm as much guilty as anybody. I sit here next to me, I have an iPhone, whatever the heck it is, the, one of the latest versions. That battery and many of the technologies come from some child that was digging in a pit in in the Congo, It's that cor- and we can correlate it that closely. All of this happens, and the world that we're in, they try to convince us now that these experiences of fire and, and so forth are just this outcome of a global warming, which is our fault, they tell us. Well, the real of it is, is they're engineering the weather. They're in using the, the tools that they have at hand to create the fires. And they're doing all that to try to strip away that which is sacred to us and to separate us again from the roots of who we are. We are connected as people. And when we hunt and when we walk in the world and we're connected to the land, we are doing as God intended. If they took every person on the face of the earth, this is a true statement, and they gave them, and I, I, and I don't know the exact space, I think it's something like half an acre. They could take every person on the face of the earth, give them approximately half an acre, and they could stick them all in Alaska. That's 7.5 billion people, and we would still have room to spare. So the myth of the idea that there's too many humans is part of this nonsense of a deep state convincing a mass of godless souls that are out here that want to destroy humanity because they're afraid and fearful that somehow we're trampling on Mother Earth. We're not the ones that are creating the ideas, but we are the ones that are consuming the products of the fools that are creating the ideas that are enslaving humanity. And we have to start owning some of that. I'm always reminded of Romans 1, 18 to 32, and it's just so important to, to read this again tonight because it's a reminder of where we are and also the sorts of things that the Bible's telling us of what we become without God In the things that have been made. That's made by him, by the way, not us. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator." Faithless, heartless, ruthless. They though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. Romans one eighteen thirty two. Talent Oregon, by the way, along with these other communities, had support. For about a month after the fires ended, the fires were a pretty good stint. And the fires continued to be fought in these forests quite a ways after all of this was done. In fact, I made a trip, I don't know, it was a month or two after the fires. And you could still see the smoldering tree stumps, which is what happens in some of these deep forests. is that It gets into the roots and then it stays there. And this is why they have to constantly go back and deal with it. But the communities have long been forgotten, the fires of our past now. I have no idea what's happened to many of these communities. Some were still living in FEMA trailers. And the FEMA trailers for many as they bring in were so loaded with formaldehyde that people couldn't even live in them. They were toxic. And the problem, the reason I bring this story up is the problems that we create with this. These should be sorts of legacies that we don't let go of until things are set right. And I am concerned, especially with Hawaii, away from out of sight, out of mind, and even more so than what happened in Talent, Oregon. It's bad enough that we had the fires, the destruction to our forests. Fortunately, they will regrow. As far as like the federal rules, the federal the federal refused to allow us access as a county and loggers access to harvest the trees that have been burned, saying that, because it was a wilderness or some designation similar to that, we had to simply let it be. This is ridiculous, by the way, just so you know, because the best thing that could happen right now is to harvest that timber to give space for new growth to happen and to encourage reseeding of the forest, reforestation, even with native species. It could have even been done and done very quickly. But instead, they've left it to rot, which is creating more danger, which will ensure that we can't safely even hike in those forests for a long time. And that's all driven by this fanatical environmentalist nonsense that wants everything to be let be. And when you have a fire, even you're supposed to let it burn. Seriously. So you can imagine the sort of problems they can create when they are stimulated with a criminal mind to start these fires with the various mechanisms that they have in play to do so. These are things that we've lived through up here and Northern California has lived through repeatedly. And when you overlay that with a map of the 2030 agenda, you see exactly what they're trying to do because all of these zones, they want the people out of. They want to remove people, classify everything as wilderness, consolidate people into towns and turn everything into some version of a smart city. This war is not limited to Lahaina. It's all over. And it's been ongoing. But what makes Lahaina so important and the other communities that are being affected, but in particular Lahaina, is they went full stop. They went full out this time without any limits or stops. And this time they murdered several hundred children, it appears. There's still over a thousand people missing. And they're doing all of this for the same issue, greed and power. And all the lusts of the things of this world, the idols that they make to worship instead of God himself, they do this for the sake of their own benefit, their own ideas of what this is about. And it's it's difficult to witness. It's difficult for us all to witness this. But we have to start taking an attitude as people that we have to start coming together to realize that unless we stand together, we're not going to be able to. TO OVERCOME THIS. BUT IF WE DO STAND TOGETHER, THEY FALL VERY QUICKLY. LET ME GIVE YOU A QUICK UPDATE ON THIS, ON on LAHAINA. THIS IS A PIECE THAT CAME OUT TODAY, A SHORTER PIECE, BUT IT WILL GIVE YOU KIND OF THE IDEA OF THE IMPORTANCE OF THE COMMUNITY VERSUS THE GOVERNMENT.
2: REALTORS, PEOPLE IN THE REAL ESTATE INDUSTRY, ARE CALLING YOUR FAMILY AND YOUR FRIENDS WHO HAVE LOST EVERYTHING to, TO BUY THEIR PLOTS OF LAND. It is disgusting. We have real estate investors and speculators going around, calling our victims, offering to give them cash and buy their property. It is disgusting. It's a land grab. And I know that our Lahaina community, we are resilient and we will do whatever it takes to protect Lahaina. And that's one of the big concerns as as they search for the missing and the dead is that Lahaina doesn't lose its spirit, right? That, that people from the outside don't come and rebuild and turn into a tourist Mecca. We've already been displaced enough. And, you know, we, we plan to have a seat at the table in rebuilding Lahaina and ensuring that the rich cultural history of Lahaina is protected and that the multi-generational families get to come back home.
1: Surprisingly, that report was done by NBC News which always throws my red flag up because if they're acknowledging that the real estate investors are the ones doing the job, then obviously they already have another plan in place, which is the long-term wearing down of the people of Lahaina and the forcing of them ultimately off the land. This is always the game. And it's always about the buy-up and it's always about the consumption and control of property and lands by large corporations. And it, and it gets to where it gets ridiculous after a while. Lands get locked out. And environmentalists are a major problem with this. There may be some good intentions on what they do, but what they seem to forget for the most part is that they are not environmentalists. They're activists. They're a leftist activist trying to shut down the world for access by the people. Because these people, these their idea of maybe going out in the wilderness is to maybe do a day hike once in a while, drive from a big city and go into the place they want to do. Maui, Lahaina is a place that tourists see as theirs because they get to visit. It's their favorite little place where they get a, where they rent a little place they go to every year. The locals simply become an aspect of their slave as slaves. And unfortunately, that's kind of the world we've lived in now. And there's many people. And, I, and good people, but they have fallen to that same trap and that same guilt to where they have a special little place they want to go to, and they like going there, and they like pretending that this is going to be a, it's a vacation or pretending they're part of the local community, but they have no idea of the daily lives of the people that are there. We become kind of a tourist culture. And all of this right now is leading to a pretty incredible point in, in, this, in this country. And I don't think any of this should be missed. As we think back on the fires that were on the West Coast, which was rampant in 2020 and 2019 even, we had the fires that were rampant up in through paradise. I mean, these were ugly fires. Fires that had the same level of heat and destruction, the same place where the houses burned but the trees were still there. Incredible, isn't it? Fires somehow missed as they jumped. They They missed the trees but it passed the trees, left the trees standing, and burned the house to an ash. Missed the trees and yet melted cars' t- wheels to, to the ground. Same sort of symbols, symbolism and, and sig- insignias that we see in the fire of Lahaina. Now, it's really interesting. When I was in sixth grade, we had a mandatory, yeah, semi-mandatory, it depended, it, sometimes not everybody was able to go because of money, but it was a highly recommended course you went to over on the coast to a place we called Camp Terramar and one of the mandatory courses that we were supposed to that we had to take when we were there is we had to learn how to read the history of a forest it was uh, intensive it, it stayed with me for the rest of my life how to go in and read the natives trees from understand what the native species were read them look at the, the trees that had grown in its place be able to look for burn marks and 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 the, between the foliage and the burn marks and the types of things that were there the remnants of even of logging you could tell that you can write the history of the forest by simply being in it and watching it and observing it pretty amazing And as sixth graders we were doing that and as our final exam of this we literally had to walk through a virgin a forest we didn't know and we had to tell the forester what the history was and we were graded by how well we were able to read the history of the forest. So there was evidence of fires. We could see that. We could see what a forest fire would do because you would see the scarring on the bark. And and there was a lot of old growth at that time too, or remnants of it at least. And you would be able to see how that thick bark actually protected the trees a lot. And you would see the, the holdout cores of trees from fire. But some things we never saw was an entire forest forest turned to flattened ash or cars melted to the ground because forest fires don't get that hot. Fahrenheit 451 is a book. It's an important title because it's the temperature in which paper burns. These fires are burning at over 1,500 to 2,000 degrees to do what they're doing. The same issue we had in some of these fires up here. The seeding that they do changes the wind effects. It takes a few days to do it, and then they do. They set their initiators. If they don't have their skyborne initiators, they're going to use their ground initiators. It's going to be t- teams. We saw the same. We've seen the same thing happen since Obama in our fires all over Oregon, constantly trying to turn. What they would do is do these fires, and they would blame people like campers for being in there. These were men in. 511 pants with tactical backpacks that were seen going in and out of forests and after things would suddenly ignite. Isn't that amazing? They weren't local. They were sent in. And the point is that these fires would burn and then there's this move always for the federal government to step in and say, oh, we need to designate this as wilderness to protect it and let let it heal. Well, all they're doing is they're doing a land grab. And as you establish things under wilderness in the West Coast and in the Northwest and around the country, you're, you're just preserving it for a future date when you'll hand it over to some foreign interest to do their thing, long after the environmentalists are dead and gone. They'll do similar things. They'll try to do similar things in Lahaina if we don't stand together and push back on this. It's very real. And it's a very real time that we have to be really looking at what's going on. This is about a three minute, 40 some second piece of a testimony from a resident of how the police were blocking streets and pushing residents down the front street. Sounds, again, it sounds more like this was planned and orchestrated, so take a listen here as we we go into this little short piece.
3: I was in my truck going to check on some uh, customers' properties, and all of a sudden all the roads were being blocked off right in front of me and I'd from the cops and I would go to the next street and that would be blocked off and the next one and they just blocked everything off, forced everybody down on front street in which then the flames were coming over our vehicles, not on our vehicles, but the flames are coming over top of our vehicles what, what
4: street do you want at this point in time? Front street you're on front street yes. itself yeah, so you got directed onto front street. Yep. Where did you start when you started this journey?
3: I was going down the highway, and they blocked it off and wouldn't let me go any further. So you
4: were coming from La Niopoco?
3: No, I was coming from uh, Waiacouli.
4: Why? Okay, so you're heading going s- down the you're highway. You're heading south.
3: And then they they stop, they stopped us from going up on the bypass. Then they wouldn't let me go past the bypass byta- to the other exits to go up there. Um, you then, so you couldn't go
4: up the bypass? No.
3: And then and then all of a sudden they said everybody's off, Get off this highway. Go down this way. Down into town. Then they started blocking everything off there, and then you were down on Front Street, and I got all the way down to Safeway. So you
4: got corralled onto Front Street. You started on Honopilani Highway, and you ended up on Front Street. Yes,
3: couldn't go anywhere. They just said, go north, go north, go north and then when we got on front street the embers were coming over the buildings and landing on our vehicles and we're all in a line trying to get to the end of front street to go north like they told us to not knowing that the police blocked off the end of front street so nobody could move and then everybody panicked and they all started drive everybody went up on the sidewalks and through yards took out the other lane nobody and then all of a sudden nobody could move anywhere so all i did was try to inch my way over to another yard and drive up through a, a sidewalk come back around and then I went the cops were moving around one exit so I ended up getting up on the highway even though they trying to direct me another way and then I hightailed it to home
4: so you basically had to climb up on sidewalks and go against what the cops were telling you you could do you, to had, to, you had to break traffic laws essentially basically
3: yeah. Right, I'm not saying it's yeah, a bad yeah, thing I'm yeah. saying the no, only
4: we, way to do it was to cross that line yeah, well, essentially yeah, cause
3: nobody could move and nobody knew where, where to go and I said I'm getting out of here no matter what right I just I went and then they started following me, and, I, and then I got to my house. And and
4: your house is where?
3: Wyaculee. It was right by the Chart House, just across the highway.
4: Okay, okay.
3: And um, then I, I thought I was safe there. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. There was a fire downtown. Okay, I understood, but I didn't think it was going to affect everybody. Right. And then all of a sudden, our neighbor came over and said, you need to get out of here now. And we're like, what's going on? Because we didn't hear no sirens, no nothing. And then we found out that the They didn't want to sound the sirens because that would direct everybody up onto the high grounds, which would have solved a lot of problems.
4: Like a tsunami warning. Yeah. yeah. They didn't
3: want to confuse people with a tsunami warning.
4: How did you find that
3: out? Um, Several, several people said that. Actually, they're saying it on the radio now.
4: So somebody made a call to not sound the siren because it would... That's
3: what we heard.
4: Interesting. But you did not get evacuated.
3: I even stopped at the roadblock to, to go to the other side to pick up supplies for people.
4: Yeah, tell us what happened that night.
3: Um, so it, it was at Ma'alaya is where the barricade was, and I. And you were told you could leave stopped, and come back and get stuff. And stopped. I said, look, I'm going across right there to the gas station to get gas and ice and come right back. Can I leave and come back? And You're asking
4: said, this to, 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 to the, the police officer at the blockade yes. in Ma'alaya on the on the poly yes. right there after the poly. Okay.
3: Yep. So I went. There got my gas, got right back in line, and to come back, and they blocked us off and said nobody can go to the west side. So the
4: same officer that just said you could come back allowed you to go get your supplies, but you just went to the gas station right there in right. Malaya. He Lai. got
3: orders. I'm not saying. I'm not, oh yeah, call, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying he, he got you, orders. And...
1: So these are just more observations from the ground, and I'm reading something here in chat that says the man that's telling the story is Fish, a homeless man. The man interviewing is Eric, the Maui real estate guy. He later recanted the story saying the police blocked the road due to downed pull. Don't know why interviewer isn't retracting on social media. I'm just going to say this in the the sense of confusion right now. And it's there is a lot of points of view. There is no question, in my opinion, from what I have seen, that the police were complicit in creating chaos. I'm just going to be point blank about that. And that is the number of reports that have come out that point to the fact that roads were blocked. So it gets back to the same thing that in a sense of chaos, and there is a sense of chaos in any of these events, there's a disorientation. I want to highlight something here that fire is one of the most chaotic experiences to be in. If you've never been through a fire training like they do in in a burning of a house, which I had the privilege of doing when I worked for Department of Defense, The issue is it's very disorienting, and fire in smoke gets enormously disorienting. You get almost a sense of vertigo, and you can't, not only do you feel the pressure of the heat and the smoke, you lose a perspective of time and space and direction very quickly. And that's how literally firemen can go into a building, and why they always work a buddy system, and they use the hose to hang on to, because in a flash... In a building, you can be right next to your your buddy and you can lose contact and be lost in the fire and die in the fire. So these events, fire is a panicking event, very easy to to criticize somebody who is telling a story. I take certain credibility on the story only because he's in the event, he's telling it as he sees. And the question we always have to ask is, and this is all goes to a historical perspective and why we need every one of these accounts and we need to catalog every one of these accounts is because the thing is that when we hear, like it was written here, and I, I'm not in Hawaii, I'm taking an outside look, but I'm, I'm saying this from a, another perspective. We know that there are bad actors in play. And the problem in a tra- traumatized community is people want to stay focused on getting their lives back mm-hmm. together. So... It's very easy to silence people that are not part of a, of the main narrative. Because right now, everybody's trying to work with the government. They're trying to work with the people around them. The community has come together amazingly in Lahaina and on the island of Maui to support one another, which always happens. But the problem we have is that in all of this moment, you often get testimonies, and then if... We've already known that there's attempts to quiet people down. The social media has been raking off any of these sort of reports as fast as they can put them up at times. And so we know that there's an, we can observe, like there is in all cases, a fairly heavy hand to try to censor truth. I mean, you cannot fly drones over Lahaina right now. That's got stopped as of today or yesterday. It's a red zone. So your drone won't even fly because your drones have to be registered. So the question we have to continue to ask is why? What is it that they're trying to prevent? The common statement is going to be allow search and rescuers to do their thing, to identify the bodies and to move to the place. Okay, I got it. Drones don't do anything of harm. Why don't you allow drones to fly? And these are all questions that need to be asked. So as... Whatever the testimony is here for this person, it still needs to go in a record to keep because it has to go back into the reference. Remember, this police chief came from Las Vegas. He's the same police chief who was at the Las Vegas shooting. We know that that was a much bigger issue than just a random active shooter. That tied to an assassination attempt on President Trump. It tied to Mossad. It tied to a whole bunch of issues. And that police chief just happened to be put in Maui. I don't know how that happens unless someone planned it. It comes out today that the fire chief has no experience in emergency management. How do you put somebody in a place with hurricanes that has no experience with emergency management or volcanoes, for that matter, let alone this? And Governor Green is very proudly telling the world and the WEF how they're going to turn Hawaii into a new energy renewable energy state, the first of its kind in Lahaina is targeted for artificial intelligence management and the smart city, the first test one, which they couldn't get done because Hitachi's already cut a contract with the governor and his team to build high-rises in Lahaina. That's documented, but they couldn't get the approval because the building restrictions in Lahaina wouldn't allow them to do it except for the code addition that they made that stated that unless there was a natural disaster, in the area. They could not change the building codes. Well, guess what? They just got their natural disaster. So what well, all this comes down to is everybody should be skeptical. Every single person should be skeptical and everybody should be digging. And it doesn't mean that every report will be correct, but we can't let this slide because On the horizon is something even bigger, and it's coming, and I want to touch on that as we close tonight because I want you to see how quickly these narratives are going to change and how quickly we can forget this crime against humanity. What's coming next in the the end of this month is a huge issue, which is BRICS nations. They're launching their new currency, which is going to go right after the dollar. And again, what's going to happen here is people are focused on Lahaina. This will end up consuming the news as will the trial for President Trump or whatever other dog and pony show we're going to do there. We have to be resilient enough in this war to be able to manage multiple targets at once, not be a one-shot hero. And that means we have to be able to commit to maintaining a focus on Lahaina, And other elements that are out here, and we have to be able to balance that with the challenge of the new currency and balance that with the issues that Trump's involved in and weight it and be able to prioritize. And that would be something that God would expect us to do. Because if you're just a one-hit wonder, you're just like going from one thing to another. I mean, it's literally an orgasmic response to everything in your life, and that's wrong. And the, Heine, the people in the Heine have a concern. It's been expressed in this pieces I played last night, which is legitimate, is that they will not be remembered after 30 days. They understand. I can tell you from the piece I wrote, I read earlier tonight, talent organ's not remembered. It's not even remembered by the people 90 minutes north. And that's the real of where we're at right now. Let me play this piece. I'm going to play a couple pieces here about this bricks issue. I'm going to start with this one.
2: Why everyone is wrong about the new BRICS currency. Now, as the world seems to be inching closer to World War III, the real war isn't with Russia or China. It's something that's actually much larger. And in fact, the wars aren't even the problems. They're only the symptoms because to control the world, you must control the money. And as the US has weaponized the global monetary system against Russia and China, and of course, any other adversary, a new system is rapidly being deployed, and a new one is to be announced next month. So, in this video, I'm gonna break down what's really happening with the international monetary system, the historical parallels that show us the roadmap for where we're going. I'm going to break down the new BRICS system that's being launched next month and how almost everyone is wrong about it. I'm going to explain how it's going to work, the chance of success, what it means for the dollar, and what I think is really the best and the most logical step. So let's go. All right, welcome back. If you're new to the channel, my name is Mark Moss, and of course, I make these videos to change the way you think about money. Because it's hard to tell what the heck is going on right now. And we are witnessing the birth of a new monetary system. Well, the death of an old one and the birth of a new one. And let's talk about that. Now, a little bit going back about me. The reason why I care about this so much is because after barely surviving the 2008 great financial crash, if you've heard my story, you know that's when I became hyper-focused on the monetary system. And I mean like focused like my life, like my family's life depended on it. And after beginning to learn how it all worked, I became a gold bug. I realized that it was the endless printing of fiat currencies, and it was the Fed's and other central bank policies of constantly manipulating the price and the supply of money that continue to cause even greater booms and bust cycles over and over and over. Now, studying central bank monetary policies and historical cycles, it's all led to a single conclusion. And it's really more of a fact than an opinion. And that is that we're on the verge of the collapse of not just the United States dollar, as you hear so many people talking about it, but really we're witnessing the breakdown and collapse of the entire international monetary system. Now, while many nations have had the reserve currency, it was always backed by gold, really all the way up to about 1913, which is when the Federal Reserve Bank was created, which really marked the creation of a new monetary system. And just like the averages, they last about 30-ish years. So then in 1945, a new monetary system was born. And that was born at the Bretton Woods Conference, of course, organized by good old JP Morgan and-
5: Yeah, this is for educational purposes. So leading on from my uh, stablecoin video yesterday, including the US dollar, go back and watch this. The BRICS nations or the BRICS trading block are about to bring out their own asset-backed currency. And apparently, according to this video, if you go back and watch it, that's going to be, and it's going to be valued at 55 US dollars per one BRICS token or BRICS currency, whatever that's going to be. So let that sink in for a second, 55 US dollars for $1 of the BRICS currency to trade within that trading block. Now, have you considered when this comes to pass, what that's going to do to the cost of imports for the United States? Where all of a sudden, instead of buying stuff overseas from a position of strength as the world's reserve currency, uh, where you know they would always get way more currency in, in an, a foreign country because they held the. US dollar which was quite strong, now that's being flipped on its head. so now they are importing from a position of weakness rather than strength, where um, you know one US dollar is oh sorry, fifty-five U.S. dollars equals one dollar of uh, of value within that BRICS um, sort of cut trading currency. So that means fifty-five thousand dollars would get like a thousand dollars worth of value within that trading. Do you understand what that's going to do to inflation that's already running rampant in the U.S. Now I'm t- I've told you in a previous video the U.S. dollar is going to go to zero because it's backed by nothing but debt. All it is going to take now, all the ducks have been lined up. Uh, there's enough nations now that are joining this BRICS uh, sort of trading block. Um, and all it's going to take now to crash the US dollar is for them to have, um, a, a, let's say, a little get together, a little BRICS conference that they get together. All of them decide that they're going to drop the US dollar simultaneously and start to trade in their native currencies between one another within the trading block and at the same time ditch all their US Treasury bonds in one go. Bang. That's all it would take folks now and that's going to come crashing down. But I think what you're seeing uh, is a concerted effort. You, you're witnessing economic warfare that's been going on and it goes both sides because when the war in Ukraine broke out, obviously there were sanctions by the West and all that kind of stuff. So it's just sort of, you know, it's a bit more of that. Economic warfare that is going on uh, designed to drive up inflation from an import perspective. You're going to start to see prices. If this comes to pass, prices go through the flipping roof in, in America and you're going to be squeezed more than you're being squeezed. Uh, so anyway, just so I bring that to you, you might not be aware of it. Stay blessed. Stay safe. Sending you love today. Take care.
1: So I want you to put these things together now. I just read somebody was asking all confused and where the bricks came from. Follow the narratives. As I just said before we got into these two pieces, you cannot be a one-trick pony. So I'm going to go over a couple of things here. First, follow the narratives. They've caused enormous damage in Lahaina. These are land grabbers that are trying to get hold of the property. Basically, what they're doing is they're playing a game. Now you have, as we've heard already, you have the land grabbers calling the people to try to sell their property at the worst possible moment. But what's on the horizon? They know what's coming. They know that there's a collapse of the dollar coming. They know that there's going to be a shift in currency. And I guarantee you, they are going to come right back at it again in about 60 days, 90 days. And they're going to ask again, do you want to sell the property? But this time it's going to be on 10 cents on the dollar because the value of the dollar will fall. You have to watch how these people work, follow the money, follow their tactics. Now, the issues you have to ask, and I'm, I'm really emphasizing this because I've read a couple comments tonight about this previous interview that I did. It was apparently retracted by somebody who said that the police were blocking the roads. What no one's asking is why was it retracted? Who caused him to retract the story? You cannot trust these people. You cannot simply take events as fact because someone retracts the story. This happens, this is always going on. There was an active shooter in my town a number of years ago. It happened eight miles from my house. That individual lived eight miles from my house. He lived about a half a mile from the community college. How this ever got by, I will never know. But his mother wasn't his mother at all. We found out later she was tied to Stanford Research Institute. She was his handler. And in all the chaos and confusion, he killed himself, and the FBI came in and picked her up and swooped her away, and no one's ever asked again what happened to her. Do not trust government. And the people in Lahaina right now are in a trauma state. I get it. The objective is that the world has to start doing its job to do the digging, asking the questions, and demanding the answers, because when you're trying to put your life back together and you don't know where a 1,000 people are in your community... And you don't know what kids are gone or or, are safe when you know that nearly every house out there has been burned to a pile of ash. They're telling you it's toxic. They can hardly get water. They can't even get passes barely to get into the area. And we start to look at the anomalies. The biggest thing is every single person in the government that was involved in this, including FEMA, including Governor Brown or Green, all of these people, don't just get a free pass. And if, if the Hawaiians are going to give them a free pass, too bad. We're not. And this is where the world has to come in and hold people accountable. The islanders tend to be much more easygoing about this. And I think in my experience with the Hawaiians is they're totally asleep a lot more than they should be. Heck, that state was like 98% vaxxed. And only 9, 9, 9, 9.1% of the people on the, on the islands own a gun. And they have a gun registration policy that makes it look almost like communist state. And in my opinion, that is why they are such an easy target. So I'm going to hold to the vigil, vigilance of asking the hard questions. And if it bumps in and makes people uncomfortable, especially in Hawaii... Still know we're going to pray for you. Still know our heart's with you. We're going to support you where we can. But we're pursuing the truth. And that is our job as we sit on the perimeter and guard the wall while you try to put your lives back together. Because what's coming is this shift in currency. And that freight train is coming at us. And it's going to affect everybody in the United States, everybody in Europe. And as that comes at us, if you aren't able to start being able to ready to adjust and pivot and balance a couple of things at once, everyone's going to forget about Lahaina just like they forgot about Talent Oregon. And that's when the vultures come in. When we stop doing our job as watchers on the wall and we start not able to keep track of a multiple targets at once and we start to get consumed with the things that are easy to follow and it's difficult to keep track of what's going on in Lahaina and other places, they will perish. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be about the money. And the game that these people are playing right now is evil. People in the highness still have bills to pay. They still have mortgages to pay. The litigation is going to begin of insurance companies not wanting to play the game. And they're going to try to take it to court and beat them. But all these things take months. And as the months roll on, The bills still stack up, and at the end of the day, the settlements are never what you think they're going to be. So let me close with this little story as a a bit of wisdom. There was a point in my life when I had a contract with Electronic Arts. It was what we would call an A-lister contract. I was doing a film for them. a contract had been written by a very good attorney and my attorney. He was a very integrous attorney. I had a lot of respect for him. And it was a very fair and equitable contract. I was going to be paid 10% on the final product, 10% of the initial sales of, one, of a particular game and a film that I was doing for that game. Then they did a shakeup in management. They fired the vice president. And the attorney left for the same re- for the reasons because the management just became hostile, and they turned the contract on me, and they denied that they had ever negotiated that contract. So my attorney got involved, and this was EA's response to my attorney. Literally verbatim. We know that you are right, and in the end we know that you will win, but we will drag this out so long, and make it so financially painful that even if you do win, you will lose because it will cost you more in court fees than what you will actually gain in revenue. If you don't think that's what's going to happen over in these places without people's eyes on this, you are wrong. The force of the people is what makes the difference, and this is why these fights, and there are going to be many more to come, we have to be vigilant on and we cannot forget these places because otherwise people get brushed under the rug and the bad guys win, let's pray. Father God, we're just blessed to be here tonight and we continue to pray for the people in Hawaii and Maui and Lahaina. Tonight, actually, Father, we do have a prayer that was requested specifically for some of these areas outside that we aren't normally talking about. We've been talking a lot about Lahaina, and tonight we have a prayer for the areas that are upcountry. And these are areas that are evacuating Monday and Tuesday, horses and cattle off ranches and Makaua, if I'm saying that right, Makaua. There's many homes and lives affected in Kula, in the Kula fires, and more winds are coming to the islands. Father, this is a ravaging time for the islands. So we're praying for a blessing over all the people and all the lands. We're praying for a hedge of protection around the islands to keep the winds at bay. And Father, we're just really praying as well for this bridge of understanding that there literally is right now, a need to have the watchers on the wall while the, those there in, a, in an island that are used to having to fend for themselves have to now get used to a world whose eyes are trying to find and, and establish the proof of the culprits in this crime. And so we pray that all the resources and, and focus that is needed for those in the local will be provided, that, the, that they will get what they need and continue to be blessed. And their land will continue to be blessed and healed. And we equally pray for the vigilant hearts that will pursue the truth, no matter how difficult it is to swallow and to find that truth and to present it in a way that we can continue to establish the evidence to bring the, the perpetrators of this crime to justice. And so, Father, we're also shifting a little bit tonight because we have another very important prayer request. This comes from Moose Jaw, Canada. And we just pray for healing of a family and so i'll read the story for us our prayer hi scott my little boss man tyler was killed at my work yesterday wednesday august 16th crushed by one box trailer that fell from the crane so devastating scott i still can't believe it i've never seen such a thing in my life tyler would have celebrated his 27th birthday at the end of this month he's worked At Brant since the age of 18 and was quickly working his way up the ladder. In fact, he was still trying to find his footing in his new role. However, he was however he was wonderful in every way. So organized, smart, funny, he was the whole package and then some. I'm in shock. I just can't believe it. Needless to say, all work stopped yesterday and everyone was sent home. I stayed. I just couldn't leave. I took authorities. It took us thirty some hours just to get what they needed and then have the box frame lifted. No work for the rest of the week, but I couldn't just sit here at home and do nothing. So I picked up a coworker buddy and we went back to work to see if we could do anything to help the management. They set up grief counseling for a couple of us today and again Monday for the rest of the staff. I took advantage of that and I'm so grateful to have been able to speak to someone, so grateful. I wish you knew this kid Scott he had such passion for what he did every single day he loved it every single employee went to Tyler including myself for everything and anything such a handsome smart and just and all around wonderful young man in the world on his at his feet a girl of 11 years and a girl of 11 years and plans to marry and buy a house dear god my heart aches for her and his family It's so unfair. Why, Tyler? Why? I'm incredibly sad and pissed off at yet another young person gone too soon. May I please ask for a prayer for his family and friends for strength throughout the coming days, weeks, and months. Thank you for reading, Scott. God bless. Take care. Cheers. Marissa. Father, we just pray tonight for this family of this young man, Tyler, and his fiance, and we just pray for the healing of hearts. This is a tragic and disastrous loss, and in the midst of everything else, just adds the personal touch to what how fragile life really is. Father, I just pray that this will be a, a moment for us to reflect the importance of giving each other and respecting each other as in loving our neighbor. The importance that we have of taking time to acknowledge somebody that maybe you admire, know, don't speak too often, how f- quick life can change. From a disaster as far away as o- Hawaii in Lahaina, where thousands are still missing, to something this up close and personal to a container collapsing on top of a human being and crushing them, these are These are disasters that are personal, that take a piece of us and really remind us of the fragileness of our lives. May we remember this not to waste our time. May we remember this to serve you, Father. May we remember this to remember the precious moments that we have together, the importance of family. And may we remember this to truly put our heart and love into Jesus to heal so, Father, we declare healing over this family. Jesus, we just ask that you can be present for this family, this girlfriend of his, all of these things, and the workers that are there, Marissa, who's asked for the prayers to heal their hearts, as we pray for the healing of the hearts of Lahaina, and truly the connecting of hearts of the world, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name, amen. We have a lot of things going on in our world it's easy to get wrapped up in the politics and the things that don't cause damage it's easy to start panicking about the coming crisis of finances or whatever else the end of the day if we put our heart into god he'll provide everything but at the end of the day time is short we have to remember one another respect one another, love one another, and defend one another because evil is there. And if we aren't working together and to take our appropriate roles with the watchers on the wall and those that are building the wall with one brick in their hand and a sword in another, to those that are tending the garden and tending the schools and overseeing the daily work, we all have a position in this fight And as we come together as one body in humanity, it all starts to work like a perfect orchestra. Truths are harsh. This was a harsh truth of a testimony. And there will be more truths in places like Lahaina that will be harsh and hard to take. But truth is what sets us free. And truth, when we talk about eyes on the cross, is all that we follow. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow. Actually, Duncan will see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. I'll see you tomorrow night for Be- Fisher's of, or for Bard's FM. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
6: Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe. Oh.